Today's job market is experiencing the most radical, unprecedented shift in history. The pandemic forced us to look at work-life balance. Are we happy? Does our work matter? Does our work fulfill us? If the pandemic has caused us to look at work in such a radically different way, then why are we searching for jobs the same way we have been for decades? Welcome to episode 137 of This Shit Works, a podcast dedicated to all things networking, relationship building, and business development. I'm your host, Julie Brown, speaker, author, and networking coach. And today I am joined by Lauren Greif to discuss using the hidden job market to launch or pivot your career. Welcome to This Shit Works, your weekly no-nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, and way more success with your host, Julie Brown. Here we go. If you have ever heard one of my keynotes, you know that one of the statistics I reference when it comes to networking is that 85% of jobs are filled through networking. These 85% of jobs is what Lauren calls the hidden job market, the jobs you can only access if you are well-connected or if you stand out in your industry. My guest today has a proven strategy to help those who are looking not for their next job, but for their ideal job, a strategy that combines self-discovery to understand what kinds of problems you solve, your unique selling points. Includes networking, resume building, and preparation so you can cut the line and jump into the career of your dreams. Without further ado, Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Woo! We are here. We are rocking. <laughs> We're ready to go. I know you've already been on your run. I have a Peloton ride scheduled for later. So this is how we roll. I skipped the run this morning and I did Dennis Morton's reggae ride, which, if you haven't done it yet, it's pretty new. I think it's only like a week old. It's not, yeah, because he did it for. Black History Month. So 30-minute oh. reggae ride this morning, which put me in the best mood. Okay, signed up. Now. Yeah, yeah, definitely do that. Uh, yeah, so this is another, like, this is total tangent. Like, anybody who, who wonders, like, how can I network passively? How can, like, I network on the Peloton all the time. So I don't want to give away your handle, but when I see your handle, I'm like, oh, she's in a class. Should I be in a class or should I just tell her I saw her? You know, like so many fun little ways to network, which is a total tangent to what we were originally here to discuss. But I always say like, you can network every day in little tiny ways and you don't even realize it. I don't think it's a tangent at all. Okay. I think it is spot on. And the reason for that is, the cliche that we all know, so much is hiding in plain sight. Yeah. Here we are. You're sitting on your butt with your, hopefully your seat back. Yeah. If you're in alignment and all those people, wow, yeah. they have something in common with you. Yep. They like that music. They like that instructor. They're clearly moving their bodies. What easier way yeah. to be able to reach out and say, I saw you in class. Mm-hmm. And I checked you out and I was really impressed or love that you hit your PR, whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. There's a woman in, in my network who we belong to another women's organization together. And she's on every morning when I get on. And I, for the listeners, I'm on around 545, six o'clock in the morning. And she's on every morning. And like, even this morning, I said to myself, why haven't I reached out to her and said, 
hey, I see you killing it every morning. And so then I did that today, like so many different ways to connect. Just, you know, find your commonality, find the things you love and connect over those things. So, okay, tangent done or semi-tangent done. Okay, let's talk about you and what you do. You work with so many people who are, you know, feel a desire, a need to change their careers. Are there telltale signs that you are ready to launch in a different direction, that you are ready to make a change in your career, or you are ready to make a change from just the company that you're in? Are there telltale signs that you can tell people like, this is the sign you've been looking for? Yeah. I mean, sometimes the signs come and whack us on the head (laughs) and they're not by choice. Mm-hmm. Right. Lots of people have been involuntarily exited. Yeah. And so you don't have a choice. And so in those moments when you are let go, eliminated, retrenched, I don't necessarily care what you want to call it. Mm-hmm. That is a great time to reevaluate because the person that you were three years ago when you had that job is not the person that you are today. And you need yeah. to come to terms with that because you're not the same. Maybe you didn't have kids. Maybe mm-hmm. you didn't live in that city. Maybe your interest in what you want to do next and the problems you really want to focus in on are completely different than they were from that last role. So that's that's a given, right? If that's happened to you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes a dear friend of mine, Robin Merle, calls it faux firing, right? You've been let go and it's not really like for any logical reason, but here you are. For those who are proactively wondering, hey, like, is this my time? Mm -hmm. You'll know if it is your time from these at least three criteria. You're bored to tears. (laughs) You're like making the donuts. (laughs) It's Tuesday and you're wondering when the weekend's going to show up. You're literally watching paint dry. Mm -hmm. You're not challenged. You're not inspired. You're not aligned with a mission in the organization. It's like Groundhog Day. And mm-hmm. you're staying because it's a paycheck. You're staying because it's, you think it's security, um, which is a whole nother topic because there is no such thing. Right. And you're also really dumbing down your light. <laughs> you're mm-hmm. dimming your light and dumbing down your opportunities. So first one, you're bored to tears. Second one is that you are not growing in the organization. They are not seeing your value. You're essentially part of the Deadwood contingency. Yeah. And you're going to get picked off. You're not making a difference. You're not transforming. You're doing what's on the job description, but you're not anticipating how to transform the organization. You're staying way too close to your lane and you're kind of checking the boxes. Mm -hmm. And the third is that you've grown out of that area of interest, right? You just, you know, it was good and it it served its purpose. But many, many, many times we deviate because there's something that is either calling us or something that you stumbled across that says, you know what? This is really lighting my fire and I'm not going to just pretend it doesn't exist. Yep. Those are the three most obvious ones. There's many, 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 many more. 
But at certain points, you know, people decide to follow their dream. They decide that they are just don't want to work that hard. Mm -hmm. They make those pivots from that point on. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've had my company now for seven years. And there was a number of different reasons for why I, I started my company. And I didn't even remember saying this to a person in my network, but I was out with somebody recently and she said to me, do you remember like 10 years ago, we went out to lunch and you just said to me, like, don't you think there's something more like we should be doing something more with our talents? Lauren, I don't even remember saying this to her. And she goes, look at you. You did it. I was like, fuck, I don't even remember saying that. But like, so somewhere even in me years before I started my business, something was percolating inside of me. And I don't even remember saying it. Yeah. The subconscious mind, right? Yeah. Is very, it can, and, and it was the case for me too. It just got louder. Yeah. At first I started like pushing it away. Oh, come on. Noise, 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 pipe dream, pipe dream. And then it started getting louder and louder to the point that it was yelling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now I can't even imagine doing anything else. Isn't that funny when you find what you're supposed to be doing? Like, I was like, I couldn't go back to that. I mean, I guess I could if I had to, if like the whole, like if everything fell apart, but if I had to, but all right. So, Let's talk about your program a little because you help people find this ideal thing, this fire in the belly, what they should be doing with their life. And your program, your signature program has four parts. And those four parts are, everything is like based on a rocket. You'll see Lauren's graphics are all rockets and blast off and take off and all that stuff. And so this this is based on sort of that language. So we have ground control, pre-launch, launch, and then land. Can you walk us through uh, not all like not every single piece of every single part, but just a little bit about those four parts so that people can understand the process that your clients go through when they are ready to make a change? Hell yeah. And so I just want to also clarify one thing. I think this is really important. So, yes, I'm going to help you find. But more importantly, I'm going to help you get found. Mm, Okay. And so one of the things that happens and exhausts 99.9% of the job seekers are all that freaking outbound traffic, hit apply now, do this, do this, do this, do this. You must have a bi-directional flow. Mm. People are finding you. So the line that I talk about is, you know, candidates apply and remarkable hires get found. Mm. Okay. So this is a way for you to drive that activity. And I'm not just talking about generic activity. I'm talking about the right activity mm-hmm. and the people you want to talk to. So in response to the question about the four steps, it really breaks down to pre-market what you do before you get into the marketplace. Because mm-hmm. I can promise you, do not waste your networking conversations, interviews, or anything else until you know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I know that you'll agree. Yes. You are the master networker and you're not going to go up to somebody who you really want to build a re- relationship with, a referral from, and just humana, humana, humana. Yeah. Such a waste of time. Yeah. And then what happens when you have those assets in place and then you're in the marketplace. As an overview, I want to just remind anybody who is in the hiring market, 
that your search is a marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. You are the product and service. Yep. You need to detach from you and understand what they are quote unquote buying. What is the real thing that they're going to get when they say go? Mm-hmm. So in phase one, where you are in the pre-launch, we've got to get to the essence of the why. Mm-hmm. Why do you even do this in the first place? Because if you don't know your why, and I am Simon Sinicking away, right? Yeah. Nobody else will. People will not hire what you do. Case in point, there are 9.1 million coaches on LinkedIn. I am one of a box of Kleenexes. Mm-hmm. I, I could be a generic anything. If I tell people I'm a job coach, I'm dumbing myself down. So do not come and tell me I'm a VP of sales. Mm-hmm. That could be your title, but I want to know why you do what you do. Right. And why I do what I do is because I remove the root canal from the entire job search process. So your career becomes challenging, rewarding, and playful. Mm-hmm. That's it. I'm the person that is going to show you how we can make this fun. You know, it's so funny when you say like, there's not, I didn't realize that number. There's 9.1 million coaches on LinkedIn. Obviously as a professional speaker, there are a million speakers. And when I was at, it wasn't this year, it was last year in Vegas, when I was at the National Speakers Association, one of the keynote speakers came up and was doing his keynote and he had a picture of the barbecue sauce aisle in a supermarket. And he was like, this is what event planners see when they look at the market. You're all barbecue sauce. You can all do it. You're all barbecue sauce. Like, how are you different? Why do we need 200 kinds of barbecue sauce? Like, you have to differentiate yourself. You have to make me want you, make me think you're the best. Why do you do what you do? Why are you barbecue sauce? You know, Every time I think about how am I standing out for my clients, I think about that picture of barbecue sauce in the supermarket aisle. Right. And if you amplify that by what hiring managers are going through when they're sifting and sorting, not only through LinkedIn, but listening to the slog of people tell their you know stories that most of them fall asleep with. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so... To stand out different is better than better. You must be different. You must cut through. And so if you don't know why you're cutting through, you're going to have a very hard time doing that. Do you have a discovery process when you work with people to figure that out, to answer those questions? I'm sure that's like a lot of like back and forth and asking the right, you on your part, asking the right questions to the people that you work with to really get that out of them. Right. And we have to, remove the generalities. Mm. It's not just about, I do what I do to drive revenue. (laughs) That will not work. And so it does take some extraction. Mm -hmm. And it's really important because that understanding will drive you to the clarity between what you want to attract and what you want to repel. And that's the name of the game. Attract the right people and get rid of All the companies, missions, toxicities that you don't want to participate in. Mm -hmm. That's really what pre-launch is like. Launch is really all about making sure your marketing assets are in 
in concert with what you've established with your why. So do not separate those. Like a marketing campaign, it must be cohesive. So everything that you put together in your why offers you an umbrella for where you can use other assets. What do you mean by marketing pieces? Are you talking about your yeah. re- your your resume, your LinkedIn profile? Like what? Like maybe you have a personal exactly. website. Okay. So the, the tangible marketing assets in the job search are some of the more obvious ones, resume, LinkedIn, right? Like we know about those. The other pieces of your marketing assets is your thought leadership. What are mm-hmm. you saying? Do you have a content strategy? Okay. And if you don't, don't sweat it. You can kick off your content by commenting. Yeah. Commenting is the most underrated thought leadership tool that you have. Yep. And you can get found using your comments. People can see, oh, wow, that's such an interesting point of view. I never thought about that. Mm -hmm. You get to differentiate there in the comments on LinkedIn as well. So anytime you are creating, in in my case, and with my clients, a key element that we use all the time are visual assets. We create infographics to Mm -hmm. solidify that point of difference and the value propositions. Hmm. So all of these pieces need to hang together. No one has time. No one reads. No one spends a lot of time deep diving into all the details of your resume because that's about a six second exercise. And that also goes for LinkedIn. So if you have ways to telegraph information in a way that they can quickly grasp and cut through, you are well on your way. We use voice notes. We use Mm -hmm. video embedded in emails, like with free tools like Loom. We are using all of the more innovative assets rather than treating your job search like it's the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I can imagine that is the difference between you looking for a job and people looking for you. And what are you going to say to the person who's like, that is a lot of work? You know what I'm going to say? I just got this question last night. How much time should I be putting into my job search? Mm. Hmm. Wow. First of all, I don't negotiate your time. (laughs) You negotiate your time. And if this is something that you want and you know, let's just say that you're unhappy in your current organization, you have to figure out where you're investing your time because your time is non-refundable. And if you're over-indexing in the position that you have, then you are not making space for the future that you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's a hard thing to answer because some people, some people just take to it like a moth to a flame. Other people are just dragging their heels. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting because my aunt is one of my mentors and she was an entrepreneur as well. She owned her own company. And she has said to me, Julie, I don't know how you do it. Like when I owned my own company, we didn't have to do all these things. Like there wasn't even websites when she started her own company. You know, she's like, you didn't need a website. You didn't need social media. You didn't need all of these things that you have to do, a podcast, like a YouTube channel, all of that. Like the truth is doing business is completely different than it used to be. And there's not a lot of people who can, I think, thrive without having so many different aspects of what they do be out there. For example, on LinkedIn or creating content on podcast or being on podcasts or whatever. Like it's 
unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know, you determine whether it's good or bad. Having a job is so much more than just going to work now. Oh my God. I didn't realize this. It's like one of those hiding in plain sight things. So my dad was a professor at the Harvard Business School. And growing up, he would always talk about the value of our careers. And I was like, noise, noise, noise. (laughs) And here I am kind of reimagining a lot of that work. But if you think about it, just even for a millisecond, our careers touch every aspect of our lives. Yeah, They touch how we spend our time. A Mm -hmm. third of our lives is spent working. Yep. It touches how we generate our compensation and income. Mm-hmm. It provides us with a level of belonging and security and fulfillment. Mm-hmm. It certainly, especially, you know, in, in tough times, can really set a tone for your family and your mm-hmm. personal relationships. Mm-hmm. And I know I've been a complete bitch when I am unhappy in my work life. Yeah. And that is not fair to the other people that are around me. Mm-hmm. And so I really need to understand its importance as the focal point of so many other aspects of your identity and also the contribution that you're here to make. You cannot just, if you are phoning it in, Mm -hmm. you're really cheating all of us. Well, you're (laughs) cheating yourself too. You should. Yes. And the listeners know that I I no longer listen to Gary Vaynerchuk because he just got a little too stressful. Listening to him was a little too stressful for me, but even back in the day earlier when I was listening to him, he would always say like, if you work, if you go to work for the weekend, like just to get to the weekend, then your shit's broken. Like you should be enjoying that third of your life that you spend working. Right. So I just want to address the two other things that are going to happen in this program. So once you get all that stuff in a relative level of lockdown, because it does change, Mm -hmm. you want to also... And this is my favorite because it ties in so well with you. You want to start networking with strangers. Yeah. Yeah. Networking with strangers. I know you are not foreigner to the idea of weak links, right? Your weak links are your strongest ties. Yep. And for those of you who may not be familiar with this study, which was initially conducted way back in the 70s -hmm. and then has been revalidated so many more times with Malcolm Gladwell and more recently on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. what it says is that your acquaintances, the people you barely know, aka second, third degree, fourth degree connections Mm -hmm. are way, way, way more powerful in your search than all the people who already quote unquote know you. Yep. And the rationale behind that, of course, is that they have their tentacles in Mm -hmm. new ponds. And if you continue to go back to the same old people, the same old people, you'll be drinking dirty bath water. Yeah. And that's gross. And part of it also in that study is, and then the subsequent follow-up studies was that for problem solving. So even if you are trying to solve a problem in your career, in your business, in your job, like whatever, in, in the company that you own, if you're an entrepreneur, the weak ties offer better problem solving because the ties that are closest to us know how we would solve problems and directly go towards, oh, this is how we would normally do it. Where the the weaker ties or the dormant ties, they don't know how you would normally solve that problem. So the problem solving that they come up with is completely different than what you would normally come up with. 
So when you are telling people, because I know you have this thing called the coffee strategy, and I'm assuming the coffee strategy is tapping into these weak ties. Yes. Do you suggest to people that you say, are you looking for people you don't know at all? Or are you looking for second connections in which you could use a strategic connection to make that? Because when you reached out to me, you I don't believe we had a mutual connection. You just reached out to me. So how are you telling people to do their coffee reach out strategies? Right. So the most efficient way to go about their coffee strategy is the 10 and 10. So what that means is select your top 10 companies Mm. and find the 10 people within that organization, known or unknown, I don't care, and start drilling down that list. Mm -hmm. 10 inches deep, not one inch, 10 times. Mm -hmm. You want to go deep and within the scope because it's not just networking for networking's sake. Right. I always say you're not there for the caffeine. You're there for for a very particular reason for you and for them, because you're you have to come to the table with something. Yeah. And so 10 and 10 and focus in on those people. And then what you want to do, and this is really, really basic, right? It's so simple because we do this in other areas of our life all the time. So it's not like you don't need to be a thoracic surgeon to figure this out. You take that online conversation mm-hmm. and you move it offline. Yep. Keep moving that needle. You yep. meet them there and then they move to DMs and then they move to this. Yep. Exactly. And so keep moving that needle over and over and over again because each one of those people represents a minimum of 150 media social media contacts. Mm-hmm. They're sitting up behind their network. Yeah. And then you ask them at the end of every coffee, who are the three people I have to meet next? And then that one contact multiplies Mm -hmm. by three. And now you have essentially created a 30-day spider web of the contacts that you can use for your search. How are you suggesting people um, track and keep track of all of the people they've reached out to and who they've introduced, because this is very important to know who introduced you to who. So how are you suggesting people keep track of that? Because it can get very wide and very big, very fast. Oh yeah. The ice cream headache is real. Like Mm -hmm. it gets so big so fast. So some people really like Trello because they have the 10 and 10 and they like color coding. So that's, that's a winner. I have a Excel spreadsheet that also it can be manipulated and that's that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Some people like HubSpot because it's more like a CRM and they're coming mm-hmm. from Salesforce or another one of those. And then there's like the Hello Mondays where they're yep. you know using that more as like a project management yep. tool. So yep. you've got to find the one that you're going to use and be consistent about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Because if you do not track this, you will create more work for yourself because yeah. going back and thinking to yourself, how did I meet this person? Yep. Was their dog's name? Yep. It's really messy. So definitely have a process and a system. Yeah. I mean, even for me on a totally different level for all of my speeches, I have the speech. I have who connected me to that speech, how they met me. Like it goes very deep so I can see, okay, this is where I should be spending my time Um, as far as what are the best stages for me to be on? Best groups for me to be in? It's the same thing. You you can track that with people. Like, okay, this person constantly introduces me to people. I'm going to make sure that I take care of that person. You know, so 
information is, is oh, it's so critical. Thing. And so if you come to me and tell me I'm a great problem solver, now the opportunity is for you to problem solve for this. Yeah. Right. This is a problem that you know how to solve, especially if you're saying to me, oh my God, I'm an amazing project manager. I'm great with ambiguity. Put a system in place. Yeah. Yeah. Phase four, I'm going to just swear because I love that you could swear on your show. <laughs> I call this um, when you get down to the end, my clients typically have anywhere between three to five opportunities that they're troubleshooting. And now what we're doing is sniff testing or what I refer to as who the fuck are these people anyway? Yeah. Because you want to get under the hood and find out where the dead bodies are buried. Mm-hmm. I would say about 40, 50% of the people that come to me, come to me saying, God damn it. I missed this critical piece of information. And I just got blindsided by the compensation, the title, mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. fact that I was too tired to hold out for something better mm-hmm. and I made a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. And so even if you decide to take that role, you will have much more clarity and vision for where the resistance might be in the organization and or other obstacles you would need to overcome. Nothing is worse than getting into an organization and feeling like you're blindsided mm-hmm. and they didn't do your due diligence. Yeah. You need to go deep here. And you need to also, I mean, so much of the time we'll reach out to alumni of that organization. And that's yeah. all I'm right? And if they've left, especially if they've left recently, they have nothing to lose. Yeah. They want to help you. And you got to ask them the tough questions, not the easy questions. Yeah. Listen to podcasts. What are people saying at that organization? Mm-hmm. I just went through this with one of my girlfriends who left the industry. She left the industry that we grew up in and met each other in. And she wanted, she was feeling burned out and wanted to join a different industry. And she got two offers from two different companies and she was really stuck. She didn't, and she kept calling me and I was like, I'm not going to say her name. I was like, I cannot make this decision for you, but let's get as much data as we can. Totally. And use the data to make the decision because data doesn't lie. So, and it's not emotional. Data is not emotional. So, yeah. I mean, so do you get that with some of your clients where they're like, I can't make it. I've opportunities too amazing. I can't make a decision. Yes. We actually work. There's a spreadsheet that I use that ranks out different levels of, we first go back to their criteria. What were you really looking for? If, If opportunity and growth was the big driver, and you're going for compensation, I got to hold you up and say, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Is this really what you were looking for? So we definitely have some benchmarks that we need to clear. But also a lot of the intangibles about culture, also we need to dive deeper in there because that's a very difficult thing to put your finger on. And so we go through a pretty extensive autopsy about what's really behind the curtain for these opportunities. Yeah. There's this not viral, but this thing that's getting a lot of traction right now. Somebody like made a Twitter or something on Instagram that says like, every time I go to a company, they ask me for three references and I'm going to start asking to speak to three happy employees. Exactly. And I think it's called reverse referencing. Yes. That's the real thing. And let's talk about like that. How easy is it to ask for that? Can people feel comfortable asking for that? Well, if you're going to do your due diligence on me, I want to know that your employees are happy. How can somebody 
ask that and get that information? Yeah. So first of all, I mean, better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Right. Don't feel like you need to grovel at all. Mm -hmm. Any of the people on the periphery of that person is probably somebody either you're going to meet in the interview process or even somebody who may be aligned or or two degrees away from that person. And hopefully Mm -hmm. they'll be able to give you some, they're not there to diss on the organization. They're going to be careful. I know that. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, you can ask them some pointed questions about, let's just say their career path, Mm -hmm. their growth and development. What happens? Who are the real decision makers putting titles aside? Mm -hmm. Now, how do decisions get made? What happens when there is a lot of conflict? Mm -hmm. How does that get resolved? So clearly ex-employees, current employees, and then your network. Your network is going to have some good, good insights. And of course, any of the other more obvious pieces like Glassdoors or Level FII, you want to know what's happening. But you can ask for references. You can Mm -hmm. say, I would love to speak to some of your past employees or people that were previously on your team. There is a statistic, and this goes for negotiation, 66% of the people that ask for more, get it. Yep. So apply that here. More than half. Yep. And it also shows leadership. Yes. And it levels out the playing field. And you are no longer no longer that kind of, oh, can I please have this job? Mm-hmm. That those days are over, especially yeah. if you're in a leadership role. Mm-hmm. They don't want to see you as an unequal. You must come as energy and skill leader match. Yep. So let's get into some success stories. And I'm sure you have a million success stories. But I, one of the ones that you shared with me was about a woman you worked with named Nancy, who I'm not sure if she was looking for a job, but she somehow found herself as the COO of a company. And then that company paid for her whole family to go on vacation or something like that. And I'm like, wow, shit, that's never happened to me. So let's talk about that. Yeah. And we will use the name Nancy because that is her alias. But oh, okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. it, That's good. I was like, Nancy, but (laughs) I know exactly who you're talking about right now. So what ended up happening is this woman had Never looked for a position here in the United States. She comes from another country. She speaks three or four different languages. She's been working at the same organization from the beginning of her career, over Mm -hmm. 20 years. And that also is very typical of a lot of the clients that I have. Okay. They haven't been in the job search in so long and they wake up and they're like, holy shit, I'm not in Kansas anymore. What the hell do I do? Right. That's where she was. Uh Uh-huh. She was on the sales side, but wanting to move over into an operating officer role. And what happened was, much to her resistance, we talked a lot about, yes, she had all the skills. She had been promoted many times. She was making a very healthy compensation. But what was happening is exactly what we were hearkening on earlier, which is people knew her just in this one vein. They just knew her as this kind of one-dimensional type of candidate. Mm -hmm. And so she put up a post on LinkedIn, which was 
not a very sexy post. It wasn't like, ooh, content, what about this? Mm-hmm. It was all just about how she has learned over the course of her time in, in the U.S. about the value of coffee. That was it. Mm-hmm. A picture of a coffee cup, that was it. Mm-hmm. And from the looks of things, from the interaction and the engagement, it didn't look like the post was doing too much. Mm-hmm. But what was happening behind the scenes on her end was her her DMs were blowing up. Mm. They were blowing up and she re reinvigorated and woke up her sleeping network. Like sure. just that invitation to have coffee yep. changed her game so much to the point where an organization and working internationally was also part of her criteria, an organization in Latin America reached out to her and said, we'd like you to interview for this COO role. Would you be interested? And mm-hmm. she was like, "Is this a spam thing? Like, right. is this real?" And it turned out it was very much for real. And in order for her to be able to interview on site, they sent her and her family to Mexico in order to interview for this job. So, this is the hidden job market. That job was never posted, and they came and found her. I've heard you mention things called creative ambush strategies, an ambush strategy. Tell me. This wouldn't be necessarily an ambush strategy because I would, I would classify this as content. You know, like I would say that that's like a huge ambush, Okay, but more of a creative ambush strategy. And just so you know, I didn't make up that term. It came from Cindy Gallup, who we know and love. Yep. Creative ambush strategies can be more of like a video drip campaign that come through email they could show up in other ways where you are consistently, uh, I'll give you one that I I think is also really fun. So a client of mine was interviewing with Google and this is when Google was a desirable place to work. (laughs) And um, the hiring manager was going on vacation and we knew that he also liked to partake in, you know, the party lifestyle so what we did is we put together a comprehensive list of tiki bars <laughs> so that he would have these on the ready for his vacation and create a memorability for her. Mm-hmm. How many other candidates right. are going to come with the tiki bar recommendations? Right. Not a lot. Yep. And so that would be a better depiction of a creative ambush strategy. Okay. All right. It gotcha. become, what was your favorite drink? Which one would you recommend? Yep. And you know, the rest of the story. So easy to follow up on that kind of, of email or. Right. And that goes viral, right? That goes viral. Cause he's talking about that, at the office, which is right. exactly what happened. Yep. Exactly. Do you have another example? Cause I think that's, that was so fascinating. Another one that we use too, and this is just goes back to some of the infographics and those pieces is this can be done for anyone. Okay. This is so powerful. Somewhere upwards of 95% of all PSs in emails are read first. Yes. And the reason for that is because the PS is like your wink, right? People expect Mm -hmm. when they're looking at emails that you're going to task them with something to do. Yeah. 
be like, oh, no, 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 not more, not more. But when you put the PS there, it's like that little wink or gift. Okay. And so a lot of those PSs that we use will be a hyperlink to something that's in a portfolio. Okay. We'll be like, hey, are you curious how 10 minutes save $250 million? Find out here. Right. So we have actually created these stories and the stories are the PARS that stands for problem action result. Those are the case studies that we use. We title those and we create that value proposition in there. So who doesn't want to know how you save $250 million in 10 minutes? Right. The only thing I can equate this to is I like to go to food blogs. And the first thing I do is jump to recipe because I don't want to read the shit and the story about your fucking cake. I just want to jump to the recipe. Like the PS is like jump to recipe. (laughs) Totally. Totally. So it's like fast track, get me into the goods. And so we play with a lot of those different things. And I will tell you, the response rates are so immediate. My clients Mm -hmm. are literally like, how did this happen? Right. Well, because you gave them something that they want. You've created a craving Mm -hmm. and they want more. Yeah. Lauren, I'm going to suggest, I mean, I know people could go to your website and I suggest they do that. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But what they really should do is follow you on LinkedIn because you are providing so much content. You have a LinkedIn live and you have guests and So I think, honestly, the first thing people should do is just follow you on LinkedIn to get an idea and then reach out to you either on LinkedIn Messenger or on your website. I love that. But LinkedIn is like, you're just so creative on it. And I think even people just following you would get an idea of like how maybe how lacking they are on on the platform. Because I even I look at you, I'm like, shit, she runs circles around me on this thing. (laughs) It's really um, and truly a labor of love and I want mm-hmm. everyone to love their work. So how could I not be telegraphing that? And I, I believe it's not only important, but it's, it's your right. Yeah. <laughs> and so definitely please follow me on LinkedIn. My podcast career blast and a half is coming out. Coming. This month. So I'm really excited for executives who are literally like, keenly aware that there ain't no such thing as job security anymore. And that turnover means that you need to have some agility behind what it is that you're looking for now. When does that launch? When does that go live? It's scheduled to launch on the 15th of February. And so that's what we're aiming for. Okay. So this listeners, we record in advance. So we are recording. I don't know. It'll be out by the time this is out. It'll be out by the time this comes out March 22nd. So it will have at that point been out for five weeks. So plenty of content for you to just go in and binge. So I'm going to suggest you do that. So if you can give me a link to that, to where to find that podcast, I will put that in the show notes as well. And I'm just going to say thanks so much for being here. Mm. Julie Brown, what did I tell you? You're one of my peeps. (laughs) And I honor you. I just adore you. Keep bringing on the energy. This shit works. It sure does. It does in a big way. I follow you kind of from afar, but also like I'm I'm not far away. Not so, from afar. And I may be heading to Chicago soon for some speaking gigs. So if if I do, we will get together. Well, for sure, for sure. Come before June because, you know, we're moving to Asheville. Shit. 
It won't be before June. So maybe I'm going to have to find some speaking gigs in Nashville. (laughs) North Carolina. Yeah, I'm going country. All right. Awesome. Okay. I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Number one, I love Lauren. She is one of the most giving people I have ever met in the sense that she is constantly finding ways to lift people in her network up, posting about them, sharing their skills with her network, bringing people together. Like she is the real deal. Second, the same exact day I had this conversation with Lauren, I had lunch with a friend in my network who is going through a bit of a reckoning when it comes to their career. They are amazing at what they do but they need something more, something different. They need a change. Get in touch with Lauren, I said, even if it's just to have a conversation. When you know you need a change, when you have mentally clocked out of your career, you're only hurting yourself by prolonging the change you know you desire and deserve. So if any of you are listening to this and thinking, that's me, I need something different, I need to spend that third of my life doing something that fulfills me, please reach out to Lauren. She's not only a career changer, but a life changer as well. If you do nothing else with this episode, please click on the link to Lauren's LinkedIn bio in the show notes. Send her a message and connect with her. Having her in your life will be nothing short of inspirational. All right, friends, on to the drink of the week. And because I think so highly of Lauren, I want to share that Lauren is 18 years sober. So this week's drink of the week will be a mocktail featuring one of her favorite drinks and mine, to be honest, which is kombucha. This week's drink of the week is called the Spicy Pineapple Kombucha Mocktail. Here's what you're going to need. One to three jalapeno slices. Now, obviously, the more jalapeno, the spicier this is going to be. So I would actually use like a half a jalapeno slice for my mocktail. One and a half ounces of simple syrup two ounces of coconut water, one ounce of pineapple juice, ice, and then pineapple kombucha. What you're going to do is in a cocktail shaker, you're going to muddle that jalapeno, that slice of jalapeno with the simple syrup, add ice, add the coconut water and the pineapple juice, and then shake it, shake it, shake it, chill it, and then strain into a highball glass over fresh ice because you don't want any of that like jalapeno shit coming up through your straw, believe me. So strain it over fresh ice and then top with pineapple kombucha. And if you're fancy as fuck, go ahead and garnish it with a pineapple wedge. And I'm sorry about my voice, guys. I'm getting over a cold. That's it for this week, friends. If you like what you heard today, please leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. Also, please remember to share the podcast to help it reach a larger audience. If you want more Julie Brown, you can find my book, This Shit Works, on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can find that those links through the show notes. You can find me on LinkedIn at JulieBrownBD. Just let me know where you found me when you reach out. And I am Julie Brown underscore BD on the Instagram, or you can just pop on over to my website, juliebrownbd.com. Until next week, cheers. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a tip. And remember, you can unapologetically be who you authentically are and still be wildly successful. That's a fact. See you next week on This Shit Works.